So we get an email. It's not abnormal to receive such an email. It's a ministry outside of town wanting to bring in a bunch of their leaders to receive prophetic ministry from those in our house of prayer. We get two volunteers. We sit them at the front and we wait. We wait for the Lord to speak words of strength, encouragement, and comfort. After a minute or two, a good portion of those in the room heard something and they line up down the aisle all the way, almost at the door to the sanctuary, facing the couple of guests that are sitting in the chairs at the front. One by one, they begin to share the words that the Lord spoke to them. Those in the chairs get big, bright smiles, sometimes tears, often touched by the Holy Spirit by what they're hearing. And then we do it all again for the next person in line. This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms podcast. It's a bi-weekly podcast where we connect with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations, share the stories to strengthen your corporate and your personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. And I'm Jeff. So a few episodes ago, we had Brian Creary, the director of Sanctuary House of Prayer, and he is with us for a second episode today. Hello, Brian. Hi, guys. We're glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Episode two. So last time that we had you on, we talked about the prophetic history of, of prayer movements and praying communities and what they mean to your praying community and, and what role do they play. This week, we're talking a little bit more about prophetic ministry within your house of prayer context, where you're praying for someone and you get prophetic words. And what role does that play in, in strengthening your community and your praying community yeah, could you describe what it's like for a praying community to also be a prophetic community? I think uh, to be a praying community, you almost have to be a prophetic community in some form. A lot of uh, different streams of the body might not use the term prophetic because they may think of it as as that a language of a spiritual gift as being a bit uh, outside their sphere. So, you know, that term is, is a term that we use, but it's I think the the application of it, what it actually looks like, is true of any group of people that's gathering to pray. And the people need to be able to understand and hear the voice of the Lord in some form to be able to pray effectively. The people need to be able to hear the, the voice of the Lord, even in their own hearts and in their own minds, so that they can connect with the things that he's asking them to pray about. Being prophetic is just kind of indispensable if you're going to spend a lot of time praying for things that you understand or believe that the Lord is doing in your region or in your even in your community at large. And we get that all the time where prof- prophecy becomes about large things like the destiny of our city and about small and immediate things like what's going on in a person's life right there in front of us on a, on a weekly basis. I mean, you talked about how in order to pray effectively, you almost have to have that prophetic in your community. And there's different prayer expressions out there, but in our expression specifically, we have something called harp and bowl where a lot of the prayers that come from the front are often then sung from on the stage, and we call them prophetic singers. Why do we call them prophetic singers? Uh, prophetic singer, it's a, 
it's a, an appropriate term because you, I guess you have to know the model a little bit, but we, we take a passage of scripture that we want to sing back to the Lord. We want to agree with what it is that's been presented in front of us. We grab something like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or some translations say, I lack nothing. You want to sing that truth of it back to the Lord as a priest before the Lord to minister to him. And so singing through that passage, you can sing it literally by singing the actual words. You can sing it in a study way by uh, getting into the details of what the words mean in their, their context. You can sing it creatively by changing the language of it, but you can add to it the prophetic dimension, which is what is the Holy Spirit saying concerning these ideas? What does he want to add to it that brings a, a life up? The phrase I like is that the Holy Spirit is igniting a truth. And so there's the biblical truth there, and then he ignites it and causes there to be a, a, a spiritual fire, as it were, upon it that brings it to life in the hearts of those that are listening and is actually true, more true, more powerfully and profoundly true, even before the Lord himself in heaven. So growing up, we've all heard stories of when the Lord gave someone a movie screen vision or they heard the audible voice of the Lord uh, but what you're describing sounds a little bit different. Um, and so are these the exception or are they the rule? Like what's getting a prophetic word like for you? Uh, I know you don't sing on stage and you're not the ones who are, are no. singing the, the choruses, but... Thanks for bringing that up. Sure, surely the Lord gives you prophetic words in, in other ways. What's it like for you? It's true. Uh, let me tell you a story. When I first encountered the prophetic, I was only just out of university, just out of seminary, actually. And I had heard a lot about... Uh, the prophetic, and I was uh, in a stream where people were talking about it and were demonstrating it or doing it a lot. And I was so frustrated because for me, um, my cer cerebral side, my, my logical side was taking over and I could not for the life of me figure out how to hear the voice of the Lord for someone else. And so I was trying everything I could. And it, it sounds funny now, but I would close my eyes uh, I would be, you know, let's say I was praying for you, Jehu, and you were, you were the, the focus. I would close my eyes and I would try so hard to block out everything that was coming into my head. And I was literally waiting for the, the computer screen, for the words to come across the screen. And I was waiting to read them. The Lord says to you, Jehu, you know, waiting for the next word to come. I love you and care about you deeply. <laughs> and so it was, it never worked like that. Never once did I ever see anything. I was working so hard to block it all out that what was actually coming from the Lord, I was just dispelling it and pushing it aside. And I had a breakthrough moment. It was kind of embarrassing actually, but my mom uh, really said, you can do it. You can do it right now. Just go ahead. You know, just give me a prophetic word. And I, I stared at her. I did all the same stuff I always do. I blocked it all out in frustration. I said, I can't do it. And then my, she was my fiance at the time, my wife now, uh, my mom turned to her and said, well, then you go ahead and do it. And she said, oh, well, the Lord just says one, two, three, four, five, and gave me the, gave her the whole word. And I thought, that's not fair. I'm working so hard to hear the voice of the Lord and she's hardly trying and she gets it and I can't make it happen. And then a few weeks later, a prophetic man came to the church I was working at and he prophesied over me. Now, it was interesting, picked me out and gave me a word and said, you, I want to, to release you in the prophetic. I want to pray for you and release you in it. And gave me a little bit of explanation and a little bit of confidence. It's amazing how it just takes a little bit of faith to just believe that what you're hearing, that thing that's going through your head right now, is actually God and not just your imagination. And he gave me just enough. I said, I'm going to try this again. And when I did, 
Instead of blocking it all out, I let the, the quiet, simple whisper of the Lord come through my mind, and I grabbed a hold of it, and I took a chance here and a chance there. I said, I don't know if this is really God, but I feel like maybe possibly God is saying to you the following thing, and the response of the person was often the confirmation that I needed. I'm hearing. They're telling me this is right. This is a real blessing. And so it kind of shifted everything for me. And once I got that mo- that method in place, then it became a whole lot easier. I've never had a, an open vision. I've never had a heavenly visitation. I've never had an angels appear in front of me. I don't operate in a lot of those things. But the ability to hear his voice come through my mind in those simple ways, in picture form or in impression form, and just go with the flow of that whisper of the Spirit is like second nature now. Because you just once you got it, it just rolls and it becomes really easy. When you share some of the stories of your prophetic history, a lot of times you would mention that this is actually, I believe, for the house. Right. As a director, it seems like a very big responsibility to be able to navigate, okay, is this word for me specifically or is this word for the house? How would you encourage other directors to navigate that? Yeah, it's true. And the model that I, I kind of borrowed from was uh, Mike Bickle, who gives direction to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, because their uh, prophetic history was so intertwined with his life. And so I sort of borrowed from that. I just thought, well, that must be the way that the Lord talks to leaders, that they, he gets a hold of them first, and then their communities that uh, benefit from the, the promises that come through them. So with that template in place, I started to look and I realized, actually, this is true. I've had a number of things spoken to me specifically, and now the Lord's setting me in place so that I'm leading it. Uh, you know, one plus one is going to equal two, and now the whole community of us is coming together uh, around these promises. And that's pretty biblical. Somebody somewhere gets the initial word and then the people rally around it, but the benefit goes far beyond the individual. So, I mean, advice, pay attention. What's the Lord saying to you as a leader? If it's really you, if it's really now, if it's really here, he's going to confirm it with prophetic words. And if he confirms it in the way that we we know that he can, which is sometimes small, simple things and sometimes powerful things, they can be really relevant for everybody else. They can provide great uh, faith and courage for them. So we pay attention. We mark them down. We we tell the stories. Johan, you probably, I don't even know if you remember this, but in the early days of our house of prayer, we used to have a prayer meeting that was uh, on the other side of town. We drove to somebody's house every Tuesday night. And so yourself and, and Joel, who's on staff with us, uh, would pick me up and we would drive 20 minutes to their house yeah. and then 20 minutes back on the other the other side. And in those early days, I would do nothing but talk. I don't <laughs> know if you remember that. I hardly even let you guys talk. I would tell you all the vision. I would tell you all the promises. I would go through them over and over and over. I would tell you stories and you guys would sit and listen for 20 minutes. We'd do the prayer meeting. We'd drive home. I'd talk, re- reinforce all the things that I felt like the Lord was saying. I'd tell you all the stories again. I did all that on purpose. I did it for months because I thought, I want these guys to benefit from the things that I've experienced, and I want them to feel the impact of it in their hearts. And, well, here we are, 13 years later, something must have landed. Well, yeah, and over the years, you seem to translate that into the community-wide sort of idea where you want the whole community to have that sort of prophetic culture. Totally. Yeah, I love what you're sharing, Brian. Mm. I love how it started with you as an individual, too, and you have your own personal journey of of hearing God's voice. And as believers, every single one of us has that journey, Mm -hmm. whether you grew up in a household where that was totally normal or whether this is something you discovered last week. Um, Just the fact that Holy Spirit lives inside of us and is going to speak to us is mind-blowing. And then when we can bring that into prayer, it only makes sense to me in that even when you were just sharing, I had to think, man, like God is so 
He's so alive right now. And the words of scripture are amazing and they are our truth and our foundation. And so to pair those two together that I'm going to take these words that were written 2000 years ago, the truth that doesn't change. And I'm going to pair it with what I feel God saying to me right now in the moment, because I believe he died so that we'd have access to him every moment of our day. And so to pair those two together feels so powerful and it makes it, it makes it come alive in a new way. And so for praying communities, but really just any community to take the truth that you know and let Holy Spirit breathe on that, let him expand on that. Um, it does feel like it takes risks of faith sometimes to say, oh, I believe God is saying this. So some people may shy away from it altogether out of that fear of that. Um, do you have anything to speak on that? Well, I think you're really right. And I would add to it, I always bring it back to the same thing, but you're having an interaction with a real person and you get the privilege of uh, providing some of the information that's on his heart concerning someone else. So whether it's the large visions for the whole region that encourage the, the staff and the community of our house of prayer, or whether it's the individual where you just give them a prophetic encouragement. There's a verse we use all the time that anchors us. First uh, Corinthians 14, I'm going to read it to you in the NIV, but this is a really helpful sort of anchor verse that we use all the time that the brand new person gets it. Uh, Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So there's a couple of key ideas. And certainly one of them is that beginning where he says, eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy, and then goes on to explain why. You can speak in tongues, and tongues will edify you and strengthen you and will have power in it, but you could bless somebody else if you you can encourage them and strengthen them and comfort them with the word of the Lord that comes through you. So, you know, we, we, I say this all the time to our folks, you can, you can give a really simplistic prophetic word to somebody that seems like it's not very powerful to you and it can land in their heart and be so encouraging mm -hmm. because it's God's word for them. He knows exactly what they need to hear. And you've probably experienced that in your own life where yeah. it's just the right word in the right moment and bam, it hits you and you know it's God. He's talking to you. And I got in on it yeah. because I eagerly desired to participate. So I get to stand there and, and be in the, in the between the two of you going, I this is awesome. I got to bless mm. you and encourage you. Lord, you use me. How fun is this? Yeah, I like what you said that it's not so scary for new people when you give them some of those parameters of, wait a second, is the word that you're about to say, is it going to strengthen them? Is it encouraging? Exactly. And is it comforting? Yep. Because I was that new person in the room. I was that new person who was like, oh, this is new. Do I take risks? When? And how big of risks? How do I do this? And you got up there every week and said those same things over and over. And I'm like, okay, I think this is encouraging, so I'm just going to go for it. And yeah, I saw just those being your your guide posts um, being really helpful. And and it's not just your encouragement, right? It's not, oh, it's I think you're a great person. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just taking scripture and yeah, making those your guide posts along the way. I found in my journey has really helped me just gain confidence in, in hearing God's voice and sharing that with others. That's exactly right. And it's you're operating from the place that you have a confidence that the Lord actually has something he wants to say to someone. I mean, that sounds simple, but we don't always think like that. We don't think, well, I wonder if God actually has something he'd like to say to the person I'm sitting across from that would be his words that would encourage and strengthen them. And I wonder if I could participate in this. Maybe he'll let me in on it. Lord, what do you have to say for them? And that simple activity of keeping it within the boundaries and then participating with hearing his voice uh, has such profound effect when it lands 
and lands powerfully. And, you know, we can say, well, you know, the Lord says to you, I love your haircut. That's not very profound. Uh, you might have a nice haircut, but it's not really prophecy. But when you say that right thing in the right mm-hmm. moment, the Lord mm-hmm. sees you in, in your journey and he feels your deep heart for him. And he knows how committed you are to saying yes in all things, in all moments. As you walk through your journey, he's seen you say yes in every moment of your life. And he's not missed one. It blesses his heart. Now that's different. And you can feel the impact of that. I felt blessed you just saying that right now. I know. That was for you. (laughs) Some people have a clear prophetic gift and they walk in that regularly. But like the story at the beginning, like you get the whole community to prophesy. Like you allow them to hear from the Lord and actually allow them to line up get in front of a microphone and Mm. speak to people prophetically. So why have you worked so hard to make the whole community a prophetic community when many communities operate where there's prophetic people, but you want the whole community doing this? Yeah, it's funny because I've told the story to other pastors and they ask me, you know, I've invited them. I've said, if you ever want to receive prayer and we love to bless leaders in our city, we love to bless other pastors. And so just let me know and and we'll, we'll pray for you. And they say, well, you're going to have your whole community of people prophesy over over me? And I said, well, sure, why not? And they're like, you're going to let everybody in your church stand up and take the microphone and do this. And you I trust said, them that much. They're like, we'd never do that. That's crazy. Why would you do that? And I said, well, I don't know. It seems to be a blessing. People seem to like it. I never really thought about it. I just assumed that if it was the Spirit of God in each person and the gifts were available to everybody and we could all hear his voice— should, they should all learn how to do it, and they should all have a cha- an opportunity to try it. Now, it's not as simple as that because there's some safety issues, right? There are some some parameters. You you never reveal people's sin, for instance. And some people are gifted enough, powerfully, that they actually know some things about people. But that's not yours to say. It's those kinds of things are not encouraging or strengthening or comforting. They're humiliating. They're embarrassing. They they're demonstrating your power over somebody else. They're, 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 it's, that kind of stuff is inappropriate in a public setting. So eliminating some of those things creates this safe place where, you know, Jessica, you can come in. You don't really come from this background. Mm-hmm. It sounds good, but I don't know if I can do this or not. And then the parameters are safe enough that you can try it. And you know that it can't get too strange. And yet at the same time, it can be pretty amazing if it works and you try it. And I, I just think that we... We have a, enough of a, a desire to want to see our people function in it and to be, to, be, to be everyone to be part of it. Just believing that idea that the Lord's provided it for everybody, that everybody should be able to, to function in these gifts. I think all the other gifts are for everybody too, but this is an easy one to be able to, to uh, participate in. In fact, we often use the term practice, where we just say, well, let's just practice it. And that sounds almost sacrilegious, you know, <laughs> just like you can't be practicing something so holy, but the, but the reality is you can. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And practice, you know, it just really helps. And especially for those visiting in the room, you will often say that we're actually practicing the prophetic, learning how to do it better. Right. Which means that we're not going to do it perfectly. Right. Right. So be, be forewarned. Some of what you hear today might not be actually the Lord. It might be us, but that's okay. You know, we're going to practice and, and the Lord will bless you anyway and it'll, it'll all work out. You also like to use the phrase eagerly desire the prophetic, like the prophetic gifts. Mm-hmm. And right. that's, that's one of the thing, one of the reasons why you want the whole community doing it. Yeah. And doesn't that, doesn't it make sense? Yeah. Why, why wouldn't we want to eagerly desire something the Lord's provided for us? Yeah. It kind of is an indictment uh, to our own journey in God. 
if the Lord is saying, here's something that's awesome that involves you and me working together and you hearing my voice and you being a blessing for others and our response to it is, eh, not really interested. Mm. Wow, what does that say about our relationship <laughs> with the Lord? We should be responding in some in some uh, internal way to Jesus, if this is you, I'm in. I, I want to do what you're doing and I want to go with you wherever you go. And these are just simple things, but they they are representative of a larger invitation, so... I think that's huge. And some of the things you're saying that people can really grab a hold of and bring into other praying communities is, first of all, making it a safe space, making it a space where we're going to take risks, but we're doing it together. And yeah, taking these biblical parameters really, really does that. The other thing I hear you saying is that, yeah, this is accessible for everyone. And it kind of, it takes down any hierarchy of only you know, the people on full-time staff or only the pastor, basically only the holiest people in the room can do this. Oh gosh, who's yeah. that? Right? And so just be encouraged in whatever praying community you're in. If it's a group of five of you or if it's a group of 20 of you, you can take a hold of this. And of course, you always give freedom, right? No one, you never say every person in the room has to line up. So you're still always choosing to step out and do that. But it's available for everyone and giving people that availability on a regular ongoing basis, you're creating a discipline in them. You're creating confidence in them that, oh, wait, I, I gave that word last week and the person was really encouraged. And OK, I'm going to do that again this week. And, and once I find, too, once we master this in the prayer room, why can't we bring this outside of the walls of the prayer room? Why can't you look at the person over the Tim Hortons counter and say, wait a second, the Lord loves them just as much as they love the pastor from out of town who came into my prayer room, right? Which is really true. It's, it's actually what's happened numerous times. I've sat in Starbucks many times with folks that are in my community that have spent time being trained in this and have practiced it. And then suddenly I watch them open up with someone sitting next to them or across from them and give a prophetic word to them like it's as common as drinking your coffee. And I thought, right. okay, you got that because you were put in a place where you felt like you were safe and you were confident to do it. Totally. So I love that. I love how it, it grows in our own hearts. And then, I mean, it, it goes out and it blesses the world through us. So keep practicing, keep going. Don't be afraid, guys. Keep growing in the prophetic. Absolutely. She knows. <laughs> so I'm sure you've all experienced this when you've laid hands on someone and you've prayed for them and they haven't seen the healing right away. And with healing, I think we have a bit of a better grid for for pressing in and for trying a second time to to keep praying, to keep contending for it. Uh, but with prophecy, I think sometimes it's a little bit more scary. It's a little more risky. Um, do you have any uh, experiences where someone's maybe given or received a prophetic word that's kind of fallen flat? And how do you sort of pick yourself up after that? Uh, at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, they have uh, what they call prophecy rooms, where while you're there, you can actually book a time because they have so many people coming and going. And so we, we did it all the time where uh, two or three of us would go into a room with two or three of them that were on the prophecy team. And over the next 10 or 15 minutes, they would share what they felt the Lord was saying to them concerning you. And you could record it and take it with you and be encouraged. And so I, I did it many times. I did it so many times, in fact, that I was starting to get the same words almost every time. They would just look at me and they'd say, you know, you're called to the priesthood, right? And I think, unbelievable. How many times have I heard this? They keep telling me the same thing. So I was expecting it to be accurate and hitting the mark every time. Then there was this one time I was sitting there. My wife was with me. It was her first time at IHOP. and She'd heard all the awesome stories. And so we sat across from a guy and the guy said, you're, you're called to be an architect, 
Um, <laughs> and he said, uh, you're not really supposed to be in the ministry. And, you know, one day the Lord will work all that out for you and you'll, you'll get the proper training that you need. But, you know, architecture, that's the place for you. And went on to describe this whole thing related to architecture. And I thought... Maybe if I, you know, I bend it somehow to say that I'm supposed to be architecting uh, the move of God in our city. I don't know, but uh, he was pretty insistent. You're not in the ministry and you probably won't be and you're in architecture. So I walked out of there and I thought, what was that? That couldn't have been more wrong. And I was faced with the question. And my, of course, my wife was looking at me going, architecture? Like, seriously, what was that? And, you know, we're, we've been around long enough to know. So we just looked at it and thought, Okay, he didn't get it right. He was confident. He delivered it like he knew what he was saying. But in the end, he just didn't hear correctly. And that happens to all of us, if we're going to be honest. We don't get everything right all the time. And so, bless that guy, Lord. Uh, he's in his willingness to try. Lord, bless him. He's a good soul that loves you and wants to, to bless other people. So, we'll start there. Lord, increase his gifting so that he is more accurate with the next guy. And Lord, we just take this word and so just push it away and move on and not be not be shipwrecked by it. Because you can't live your life like that. Yeah. You can't you can't say, well, I heard a prophecy in some place and somebody gave me a word, so I'm supposed to drop everything and become an architect. The Lord doesn't lead us like that, or he shouldn't. And I know people kind of that's probably a good thing to discuss, but people are are led to this way or that way by prophetic words that are sometimes not clear enough and it's a dangerous area. And when you're on the other side of it and you're giving the words, you think about these things. I'm about to say something to this person. This could have an impact on their life and on the way they make decisions. How, you know, how careful do I need to be? How honest do I need to be? And that sets us up for these kinds of things. So on that day I left going, whatever, but I could see how other people might not have been so easy. I think what you're saying there is there's a responsibility for both people. Uh, for the people giving the words, we do want to be careful that we don't come across too confident. Uh, you know, thus saith the Lord. We, we try to not use that phrasing. Exactly. Uh, we want to try to say, I heard this or I felt this, or even if we're not sure, say that on the mic that, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure exactly what this means. But I think there's also a responsibility for the people hearing the word to, to feel empowered to say, if that doesn't resonate with me, if that doesn't line up with my prophetic journey, that I have the freedom to just throw it out, to, to bless the person and to just move on from that word. Because I think some people, if they haven't experienced a lot of prophetic ministry, uh, they, somebody says something and it's like, oh, well, that person was prophetic. I I guess they must be right. And there's not that empowerment to say, well, no, like I know the Lord, I hear from God. It's not just through the prophetic person. And so to... To, to give them the responsibility too, to say, if it doesn't line up with what you know about your life and about the Lord and, and those things, that it's okay to just let it go and move on. Yeah, that's right. We said it in our first episode, but um, sometimes you need confirmation. Sometimes you hear a word like that. If I was to take that seriously and say, okay, maybe he's onto something, architecture, that's what I'm supposed to do. I mean, that sounds crazy, but you know, in the, in the event that there was something that twigged in me, it would, it would be inappropriate to quit everything and apply to an architecture school. It would be appropriate to say, okay, Lord, I need to hear that one four more times. And I need you to give it to me in ways that are really clear and really strong so that I know that it's you and that I have no doubt when I make this massive life change. And if I don't get them, I'm doing nothing. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm normally doing. Guilt-free, without a worry, I'm going to literally flush this thing and it's gone <laughs> and that's the end of it. And that's okay. We have to have the power within ourselves and the, and the authority to be able to, to uh, distinguish which ones are him and which ones aren't and lean into him to confirm. If he doesn't speak it again and again, it's you're okay. You're off the hook. 
just carry on. You've you've got us to do words of knowledge sometimes. Those right. are the more scary, sometimes. risky ones, it feels like, because you can hear for a person the word of the Lord quite often, but when it comes to dates and names, that sort of thing, I mean, we're told not to give those sort of things, but words of knowledge, we're asking for like specific information. And it's risky to give those sorts of things because if it falls flat, some people might get discouraged. So Jehu asked a question earlier, like, how do you pick yourself up from that sort of thing? So what about the lay person that you ask to give words of knowledge and they stand up and they say, you have an auntie named Rebecca or something like that, and they don't. Mm. So what do you do after that when, when they don't have an auntie named Rebecca? Well, you know what? I'm going to ask you guys that question because you've all had experience in this. I, I've set it up for you. I mean, what did you do? Jehu, tell me what, what your response is. Um, I mean, usually I'll I'll just try to transition it into like a, can I pray for you? <laughs> That's my go-to, like, you know, uh, yeah. try to try to save it some way. But it is a, it's risky. It's it's tough. I think sometimes you, you hope, maybe you try to probe a little bit. You hope like, oh, do you have uh, maybe... Maybe you know someone named Rebecca. <laughs> you sometimes you try to yeah. you try to save it, but yeah, I think ultimately you just you try to you try to pray for them and you try to just kind of try to save it somehow. I don't know. That's what I've done. My favorite is when I've had experience with that outside the prayer room, and I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm gonna step out of faith. I'm like, do you happen to like have any back pain? No. Why? You're like. Come on, who doesn't have some form of back pain? Like, <laughs> this wasn't even that specific. <laughs> and then you go, oh, okay. And then you're like, this was going to be my great intro to introduce you to Jesus. And now here I am with a word that fell flat. The one guy that doesn't have back pain. Come on, what are the chances? And I think I laugh at myself in that moment. I feel... I never take it as like, a, oh man, now I never hear from God. Now I'm a failure. Like that's just the enemy, right? So he's the enemy's always going to want to try and come in at that moment because the enemy doesn't want us to hear God's voice, right? And so whatever that happened at that moment, sometimes I just laugh it off and I think I've just made it as big as I can then at that moment. Like, do you have any pain in your body at all? Oh, well, my left ankle hurts. Okay, I'll pray for that. And you kind of just save it somehow so you don't leave this interaction totally like, Oh, okay. Bye. Like you <laughs> still needed to transition somehow to encouraging them, even if it wasn't through the word that I got. And I'm just so grateful that God's so much bigger than me. He is so much bigger than me being able to hear him on a certain day in a certain season. I feel like I can hear him so well. And he's not bound by my weakness, by even my faith or my ability to step out in this. Like he's going to touch people just by me opening myself up to him. So just Try again. All right. Next time you hear back pain, most likely the person will have back pain and just do it again. And God's so much bigger than what we see as our little failures. And he's never putting that over us as failure. He's putting that over us as our growth and our journey in him. And the thing you don't want to miss is that in that example that you just gave, your uh, willingness to try to hear and to step out to bless the other person combined with the person that needs to be encouraged or blessed or healed or or even just to know about Jesus, that 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 uh, scenario that's been developed, the Lord looks at that and goes, I love the person you're trying to reach mm-hmm. and I have I have things for them and I want to bless them. And I love the fact that you're trying to reach them mm-hmm. and you're partnering with me. I, I am smiling over this whole thing right now because Jessica is willing to go for it. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal, even if you don't get it right. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't quite hear it correctly, the very fact that you're saying, back pain. I think it's, I think it might be that. And you want to step into it. The Lord just smiles and says, 
Actually, it was elbow pain, but that's okay because <laughs> I want to bless and I and I so love Jessica when she wants to try mm. uh, because I'm I'm with her and I'm and I've got bigger things to do than just get words of knowledge right. Right. I want to reveal myself to these people and I want their hearts to be touched by me and I want them to be connected to me for their whole lives and into eternity. So this is only a starting point anyway. So come on, Jessica, let's do it together. <laughs> I mean, really, it's a profound thing that takes place when you're willing to try that. And you're never going to grow on it unless you practice. That's exactly. Why, that's why we use the word practice. Like I, if you guys know who Sean Bowles is, he gets very specific words. He can give you your address, your phone number, and all these other things. And I'm sure he didn't start there. No. He probably started somewhere else. No, it's true. Where he's given wrong prophetic words and learning from it, right? I mean, I just came back from a conference. I think there were probably about 200 youth. And the leader asked the three of us from shop to come up to the front and give prophetic words. We don't often do that. We're, we're looking at a crowd of 200 people and pointing them out sort of thing. Uh, the first one I gave was this girl and it hit home. She started crying, which is, you know, you hit something when, when, they, when they respond emotionally. Mm -hmm. But the next one, I heard the name Timothy. So I said, is there a Timothy in the room? And there's complete silence. A room of 200 people, you think there'd be someone named Timothy in this room, but there wasn't. Uh, and then I saw a hand go up and say, my middle name's Timothy. And Somebody's <laughs> trying to help you out there. Maybe. We'll take it. We'll take and it. Like, okay, we'll go with it. So I gave him the word anyway. And afterwards, there's another guy with a middle name, Timothy. And both these guys, I happen to know their first name. Mm. So it probably wouldn't have been as impactful. It wouldn't have worked if I called out their first name because I know who they are. But Timothy, I didn't know their middle name, and they put up their hands. So, yeah. yeah, so it's interesting how that works sometimes. Yeah, I just think scripturally here, it's important to have the, the story of Jesus with the woman at the well in mind. And obviously, Jesus being fully God, I don't think he had to practice or, or grow in the prophetic, but just to, to see what a vision of what it can be for us. Uh, when when the woman comes and then Jesus says to her, go call your husband, and she says, I have no husband, and Jesus says, you had five husbands. Like, <laughs> That's an astonishingly accurate word. Like, <laughs> I mean, to know that she had previous husbands, but to know she had five previous husbands, right. uh, that like, I mean, the woman must have just been shocked, like just mm. so like, how did he know? How did he know that? And so for us to see that as that's what the Lord wants, not all the time, but in, in those situations where he's wanting to give us those words of knowledge for people, he's wanting to, to shock and to, to break down the walls of those people and say, hey, I know you. I know exactly where you're at. I've been following your journey. I know who you are and I want to speak to you right now. And so I think that story for me is, is how I think about those, those words of knowledge that eventually I want the, to hear the Lord so clearly that I could, could give a word like that to someone that would just so apprehend them and break them out of the, oh, I'm just going to get water today. It's just kind of a regular Thursday. And it's like, no, the Lord wants to speak to you right now. And he has something to speak into your life. Yeah. And, and ultimately he wants his kingdom to go forth. So we, we're having fun with it. We're enjoying partnering with him, but he's got a much larger agenda and it's amazing. The amazing thing is he doesn't need us for any of it, right? He can encounter these people any number of ways and inspire their hearts. And you know, we hear stories of him coming uh, in the Middle East these days to to people in dreams and, and revealing himself that in that form. So the fact that he gets to use you in a in a restaurant or a coffee shop or at your workplace is his kindness to us as much as it is to the people that he's talking to, and uh, all the more reason why we should eagerly desire to participate in it. It has tremendous power and potential, uh, but it's uh, it's something that it blesses our hearts and causes us. And I think that's true in our house. You guys could speak to it, but 
in the in the 12 years or so that we've been practicing this, it's one of those pathways that causes us to feel like, Jesus, I love the, your stuff. I love the kind of things that you do. I want to be with you. I want to do that. And my guess is those 12 disciples had that feeling every day as they just watched him do it and thought, I love this man. I want to go wherever he goes and do what he's doing. We're touching a little bit of that as we operate in his power. So more, more to it. Yeah. So the prophetic ministry in your praying community, would we all agree that it's very important? Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Encouraging your people, keeping them engaged through the prophetic and those visiting your house of prayer or your praying community that just want to hear from the Lord. Uh, you want to be prophetic people hearing the voice of the Lord so that you can give it to them. And I mean, if we're people of prayer, prayer is a conversation where you're hearing the Lord's voice and you're asking him questions. So it makes sense that a praying community should be a prophetic community. Totally. So with that being said, it is time for... Jessica's Tips to Stay Engaged in Prayer. Hey guys, this is Jessica with another tip on how we can stay engaged in the place of prayer. This week's tip is to ask Holy Spirit for help. Uh, this one came to me when I was thinking, man, what do I actually do when I'm contemplating disengaging or I know I'm getting distracted or I know I'm just... Every other thought is coming to my mind and I can't stay focused in the place of prayer. What is actually just such a simple go-to? And just the simple fact of stopping, pausing and saying, Holy Spirit, can you please help me right now? I don't even have enough strength on my own to pray a prayer back to you. This is so powerful, guys, because we in our weakness, get to meet God's strength. And it's so biblical because we see in Luke 11, 1, his disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, I know I have not reached the fullness of this. No one has. And so to continue to whisper that prayer on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, is not a weak thing to do. It's admitting that I don't know the fullness of this yet. And I don't want to do this disconnected to your heart. I don't want to just have this list of all my own ideas of how to pray best. I actually just need to stop. And I need you to just help me stay connected to you find the words, find the scripture passages, and I don't want to do it without you. And that invitation that we extend to him, he is always going to meet us there. Maybe not exactly the way you think it will, but when this child comes to him, he's not going to deny him that. And he loves when we ask him, guys, so don't feel you are not being needy. You are not being weak. He loves it when we come and we just say, pause, Jesus, teach me how to pray again today. Lord, help me in this. I actually can't do this on my own. Holy Spirit, can you help me? And I find some of those weakest moments will be filled then with the most amount of his power. And we'll come away from that going, that was an amazing prayer meeting. Not because I was amazing, but because Jesus in me is amazing. So guys, I hope that you are encouraged that the Lord meets you in your prayer times this week and that as you humble yourself before him, that he would just encounter you more and more and that your place of prayer and your times of prayer would be amazing, filled with his presence and with his spirit, and that he would just guide you into the, all the fullness of God. Be blessed, guys. So Brian, thanks for joining us. It once again was a great pleasure to have you and hear your insight, and we hope to have you on for future episodes. Anytime. All right. If you listeners enjoyed this podcast please subscribe and we would love to hear back from you. Any feedback, questions, or just future episode ideas, 
Uh, for, for more information on how to contact us, just go to our website, burningrooms.ca, and you can find all the information there. Until next time, I'm Johan. I'm Jehu. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Burning, Burning Rooms, Rooms Podcast. Podcast.